Andrea. And I'm Aaron. And we want to talk about 2020. Yep. We launched Fresh Faith in September and we, you and us, have come together and we've reached how many? 41,800 people. With the message of Jesus. How awesome is that? Yep. We've had countless stories and messages come into us messaging either Andrea or myself or the ministry and telling us that God is working in their lives and you are making a difference in the lives of people just like you. Thank you for your partnership with us. We're going to start something new. It is Philippians. Yep. We're going to walk through the book of Philippians verse by verse. That's a little different than how we taught in the past, um, but we really think it will be impactful for you, especially coming out of 2020, stepping into 2021. We really want to fill you up with the Word of God that can transform your life in a deep and rich way. Absolutely. It's so important. It makes a huge difference. Yep. And so with that said, get ready because this is Philippians. Hey, we are continuing in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 today. And I think that this will challenge you a lot, but I also know it'll bless you today. This is where we're picking up. Again, remember, Paul is writing from prison to the believers in Philippi, and this is what Paul goes on to say. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. What has happened to me has actually worked and proved to advance the gospel. The very thing that they try to do against me, he says, is the very thing that has actually progressed what they tried to hinder by putting me in jail. I have a thought about this, of course, and I want to share it with you, and I think it'll challenge a little bit about the way that you think about circumstances in your life or things that aren't so great, bad things, basically, that happen to you, circumstances that you find yourself in that are not always pleasing, and maybe you didn't just put yourself there, but maybe someone else tried to put you there, um, maybe intentionally, maybe unintentionally, but nevertheless, you found yourself in an undesirable place and what God can do in it and through it. Paul here is in prison and he's writing and that's what he's talking about when he writes. And he says that it's actually what has happened to him. This bad thing that's happened to him has actually worked to advance the gospel. The very thing that putting him in prison was supposed to hinder the spreading of the message of Jesus. And in our lives, in my life, in your life, I don't know, bad things just happen sometimes. And, and I don't think there's a reason for everything. I need you to hear me say this to you because this is something that we say and it's become cliche and, there, and, and, and it's not scriptural. And what we say is there's a reason for everything. I just believe there's a reason for everything. Well, there's not. I have to be honest with you. I have to be clear with you. There is not a reason for everything. There is, a, there is not a reason that you were molested as a child. There is not a reason that your spouse did that to you. There is not a reason that your boss fired you. There is not always a big reason that all these bad things happen to you spiritually in the world. There's not a reason for a lot of these things. It, it, it's, not, it's not your fault. There's not a big plan. God's not saying you have to go through this in order to make it great. What kind of God would do that? It's, that's not true that there's a reason for everything. 
And let me take it further and make it more Christian-y. There's not a purpose for everything. There's not a purpose for your spouse's death. There's not, a, there's not a purpose for your kid's sickness. There's not a purpose for everything that happens. Some, maybe, but not everything. And I think sometimes we throw blame on God for a lot of things. Like, well, God's got a purpose. Well, God didn't cause that. Life caused that. Just the way the world turns caused that. And a lot of times we look to God for, well, God must have a plan. But I just don't think that's always true, that God caused this to happen because he had a plan. I just don't think that that's true. It's not scriptural. And we often take a cliche phrase that makes we think makes us or someone else feel better. And we try to throw it as a blanket statement on all the problems that we have or other people have. And although that's not true, I do want you to hear me say this because this is equally true. Just as it's true that there is not a purpose for everything, there is always, there can always be a purpose from everything. God may not have caused it, but God can make something beautiful out of it. God may not have had a plan for that to happen, but he can make a plan from that to happen. God may not have caused all the bad things to happen in your life, but he can take the broken pieces and make something more beautiful out of it because of it. You can be better because of the crap you went through. God can take every broken piece and put it back together to make something beautiful out of your lives. And although there may not have been a reason for it, there can be a better reason from it. You can be a better you from it. God can get better glory from it. He may not have done it for it, but he can always do something from it if we give it to him. And Paul says, I was put in prison and God did something from it and he has actually advanced the very message they tried to shut up and put down, which gives me another thing to say to you, that, that, that no one can shut up the truth of God that is within you to come out. People might make fun of what God has called you to do. People might push aside what God has called you to do. People might try to disqualify what God has called you to do. They can say everything under the sun. They can push it down. They can bury it, but when they try to bury it, it's like burying Jesus. And the last time they tried to bury him, three days later, he came back up because the word of God is like a seed. Remember the parable Jesus said? It's like a seed, and when you try to bury a seed, it ends up blooming. So if they try to shut you down, just know you cannot bury the word of God that is within you. It will always rise up and go forward because it is unstoppable, and that's why it's important to do the will of God, the purpose of God, the word of God that he's giving you, the thing he's put in your heart, because it's unstoppable when you jump in on his mission of what he's trying to do in the world. But Paul says that his imprisonment has actually caused the gospel to advance. And, and, and he explains it. He says, so it, that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard. See, they put me in prison but now the same word of God that they tried to shut up in me and put in prison is now infecting the imperial guard. The very people who are trying to hold me hostage in here are the people that are being influenced by the very love and message and purpose of God that they tried to shut up in me. And then he says, not only the imperial guard, but and to everyone else that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. Most of the brothers, verse 14, have gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment and dare even more speak the word fearlessly. 
In other words, they thought if we can take the leader of the modern Christian world, Paul, and we can put him in prison, not only will it shut him up, it'll scare all the other people who were following him and imitating him. It'll scare them because they don't want to go to jail. They don't want to be put in prison either. And Paul says, actually, the opposite has happened. Now the prison guard is coming to know Jesus. But not only that, all the other people who are out there preaching as well are actually going out and advancing more confidently and preaching more confidently and more fearlessly because I am in here. And they realize that it is even more infectious to have something put against you for doing right than it is to be blessed for doing right. See, when the gospel advanced for the first time in the New Testament, you got to understand how it advanced. It's not because we were free to tell everybody about Jesus, and so they went and, and told everybody about Jesus after Jesus' death when the apostles and the disciples were in the upper room when Pentecost happened and the Holy Spirit came down. That, that's not when the church was birthed. That's not what happened. And maybe that's why the gospel doesn't advance as much today in the modern world as it did then, because in, in, in the majority of the modern world, we're free to talk about Christ. And in the first century, that was not so. They weren't free to talk about Christ. In fact, they were put in prison. And what happened was when, when that when that culture came against them and tried to suppress the gospel and put them in prison, all the people that, that were Jesus followers, they dispersed. We call it in theology or in the study of scripture, we call it the great dispersion. And what happened, and it was following Acts chapter 2, what happened was all these people who were believers scattered from Jerusalem. It started in Jerusalem, but then out of fear and out of trying to be in prison, they scattered, they ran, and when they ran, they took the gospel message with them. And now instead of just in Jerusalem, it went through Macedonia and it went through Europe and it went through Greece and it went all the way to Asia Minor and it went to all these different places. In fact, Paul is a result. And this letter is a result of a church that was planted by Paul who was infected by the gospel when he was going out chasing these Christians, trying to kill them for their faith, chasing them, not realizing he was actually advancing the gospel further and broader in the world by chasing them. And so here Paul is trying to say the same thing. He says this when they tried to suppress it again, when they tried to come against it again, it gave everybody else more confidence to preach even more fearlessly. And you know, that's the way it should be in your life, and that's the way it should be in my life too. That when, that, that when something comes against us, instead of thinking that, well, we must be doing something wrong, everything's going against us. No, no, no. You need to understand that when you're about to do something great, there has to be great opposition. That the greater the opposition, the greater the purpose, the greater the opportunity that God has called us to. And if there is no opposition, it actually should raise a flag and make you wonder, am I doing anything right? Maybe I'm not doing what I should be doing, because if I'm really chasing after God, something should be pushing up against me, fighting against me. Even if it's within me. Because that old man should be trying to pull down the new man because who I used to be should be fighting against who I am now becoming because who I am becoming makes that old person in me uncomfortable and struggle. There's got to be some tension somewhere if we're really chasing after God, chasing after his call, doing his work in our lives. And, and here it goes on and says in verse 15, to be sure, some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. 
In other words, people trying to one-up Paul. He understands this. He says some people are preaching so they can become famous. They're just trying to preach so that because I'm in prison, this was their opportunity to be, to be popular and to their opportunity to be funded and their opportunity to be taken in and thrown up on a pedestal. And we see this all the time in modern church world where someone falls and when they fall or mess up or something happens and someone else tries to step in and take over and this is your opportunity, go, it's prime or um, whatever it might be. And it's the same thing. And Paul says, I mean, it's been going on forever. He's like, look, some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry. And, and, and so, but others preach him out of goodwill. They're just trying to be faithful. And these people who are preaching out of goodwill, they, they preach out of love, knowing that I'm appointed for the defense of the gospel. I'm the great defender of the gospel. Sometimes the gospel needs defending. And that's what Paul was calling to do. He say, no, 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 no. This is how it is. And, and, and I think that's what he tries to set straight in the very beginning of his introduction, introduction when we talked about growing in love through knowledge and discernment. The gospel sometimes needs defending. That we have taken the gospel or uh, the gospel sometimes gets warped and has been taken to be exclusive. It's not for everybody. It's for this elite group, but that's not true. It's inclusive for everybody. God died for all. He gave Christ for all. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Because he didn't send his son into the world, John 3, 17 says, to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. It's not exclusive. It's inclusive. And, and we have sometimes had to defend that gospel because it, people have taken it hostage and tried to warp it. And that's just one example, but there are many different ways. Paul here is also defending the gospel in a different way. And he says, others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition. You know these people. You know the people who, who get on uh, these networks and if you sow your $25,000 seed right now, God will give you that Lamborghini. He'll bless your life and you'll be healed of that disease when you sow this seed. But those who do not, like, what is that? Like, are you kidding me right now? Like, you're going to put a price tag on the gospel when God, through Jesus Christ, gave his life for you for free? And now, I'll stop. You understand what I'm saying. That some preach Christ. See, it was going on here, folks. They preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely thinking they will cause tr me trouble in his imprisonment. They think that, some of them think that if they go out, check this out, that if they go out and preach about Jesus, that the people who put Paul in prison will get mad, be like, this isn't working, Let, now let's punish Paul. And so they're doing it to try to make Paul suffer. Anyway, it goes on and he says, well, what does it matter? The only, only that in every single way, in other words, no matter... The motive of any of these people who are preaching about Jesus out there right now, no matter what it is, we know there's all kind of motives. But regardless, what does it matter? Only that in every way, whether from false motives that are true or whether Christ is proclaimed. In other words, whether their motives are good or whether their motives are bad, the one thing that matters is that Christ is being proclaimed. And in this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice because I know this will lead to my salvation through your prayers and help me from the spirit of Jesus Christ. Hi, we want to say thank you from the bottom of our hearts 
for your financial giving to Fresh Faith thus far. Your financial partnership has helped us together reach over 40,000 people with the message of Jesus digitally and physically. If you have not yet partnered with us, it is time. 2021 is going to be such a year of difference. It's going to be a year of growth, a year of um, life change, and just wonderful grace. And we believe that your financial giving can help us reach more and more and more and more people. Absolutely. You can do that by going to freshfaith.org slash giving. Freshfaith.org slash giving. Thank you again so much for your partnership. Hey guys, I have a new study for us and I'm excited about it. It's going to be 1,000 gifts and I am ready to start up again. So I'm thinking first Wednesday in February, will you please join me? We're going to have so much fun. We're going to have some real talk. We're going to have some late night prayers, maybe some tears, lots of laughs, good conversation, and just accountability. So please join me, 1,000 Gifts. We're going to really bring joy to our lives by expressing gratitude. The best superpower you will ever find. So let's do it together the first Wednesday in February. Please sign up now, freshfaith.org, and let's have a blast. Paul says, no matter what the motives of others are, I'm just thankful that Christ is being proclaimed out there. Wow, what an attitude. And he says, yes, I say it again. I rejoice in that. Why? How can he rejoice when other people are trying to do something only to harm him or only trying to steal the advantage that he used to have or the blessings he used to have. Man, can you imagine if your life looked like that and my life looked like that? That when others have false motives against us, that we in turn rejoice because nevertheless, all glory be to Jesus. That we actually have something worth imitating. That we have something worth wanting to steal. When Bill Gates was building Microsoft, and, and he would write code all night long, and he would write code all day. He would, he would literally write code, eat, and sleep, and that's all he would do. When he was writing the code for Microsoft and, and, and all these things, uh, he said oftentimes people would try to steal his work. And then he launched Microsoft, and it was huge. And people started imitating Microsoft and, and trying to build other programs that would mimic it. And he said, look, Instead of getting mad that other people are ripping off our product and selling it for cheaper or undercutting us, if they're going to steal something, we want to have the thing worth stealing. We want them knocking us off. We don't want them knocking somebody else off. We want people trying to knock Microsoft off because we want to be the best that that's what people are trying to imitate. That's what they're trying to knock off. That's what they're trying to sell. It says more about us. It says more about us than it does them. Even though we all know Apple's way better, it's just a great story of what, <laughs> I'm just playing, but of what Bill Gates, the way that he thought that made him so successful. Because his attitude toward it was, nevertheless, we've got something worth imitating. And man, may that be the case in your life, that the way that you live is something worth stealing, no matter what others' motives may be, that it's worth imitating. It's worth knocking off. We often get mad. I, I, I've created a lot of different things digitally. I've created for years all kinds of different things um, 
and graphic world, like graphics and different things like that, or ideas of graphics as I was a graphic designer and different logo types and things like that that I really loved and put hard work into, different writings that I would do or filming that I would do or projects I would do and I would see, I would see little pieces of my work in different areas. Uh, in my hometown, I was uh, I, I was pastoring and and I was creating some things and uh, working on some things. And and, and my nephews, I rem so they would go past a particular a particular another church, a particular church in the area, and uh, that was close to their home. And they would go, they would go, and they would always tell me. They'd say, Uncle A. This church over here, did you see that? They got this, and it's just like yours, or 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 it's just like the work you did at Paul Paul's church, or whatever it might be. Like they like it was all they were always so mad that they were imitating things that we were doing, and it just reminds me of this because my, I'm thankful that my work was worth imitating, that it was worth copying. Or doing. Now, I didn't always have that attitude in the middle of it, but I have that attitude about it now because this gives me such clarity that, and that's just like silly little things about work, but what about your character? There are people that try to defame you, people that try to say things against you, people that try to take you down with wrong motives, or maybe they try to talk about you with right motives, and it doesn't matter what the motive is, nevertheless, is what is within you? Is, is it worth imitating? Are you worth imitating? Is Christ in you, the Christ that's in you, worth imitating. So you can say you have Christ in you, but is the is the way you represent him worth imitating? Man, Paul's attitude is fantastic. Nevertheless, I'm just glad that Christ is being proclaimed and that his message is going forward. It goes on and it says in verse 20, my eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but that now, as always, with all courage, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or by death. That's some strong words right there. He said, I, I want to have nothing to be ashamed of at, in the end. And, and all that matters is, is that no matter what, I want to honor God in my body. Whether that, in other words, I want to honor God in my life or in my death. No matter what, I want to honor God. I was reading a book uh, one of my favorite authors to read, his name is Erwin McManus. Erwin is a pastor of Mosaic Church in Los Angeles, California, that is actually now a global church and doing so well, a beautiful church, um, body of people that are creatives and innovators. And if you don't follow them, follow them. Um, they're fantastic. He is a fantastic leader. They're a fantastic church. But He's one of my favorite authors, and he writes so uniquely. A lot of it because he speaks as, as he writes. I've heard him talk about his writing process. A lot of it is has to do with dictation, and it's interesting, and you can see it and feel it. And he also doesn't allow the editor to change any of his words. I personally, as a writer, as an author, I love that. Now, that's not popular in editing world because they want to sell a lot of books and they know what sells. However, as an owner of words and a creator of words, I love that. Um, and, and, and Irwin McManus is a master of words. He's a wordsmith. And one of the things he writes about in his book, The Last Arrow, and he, in that book he's writing and he talks about how he found out that he was going to die. And when he found out he was going to die, he had already written the first sentence in his book. And the first sentence was, hey, let me tell you before anybody else tells you that I'm dying. 
And I think that when he wrote that sentence, he, he wrote it in a way of saying it, it, everyone's going to die one day. But then he found out he was dying, that he had cancer. And when he went back to finish this book, he went back to edit it and go through it and all of this stuff, it said, hey, let me be the first to tell you I'm dying. And it's such an interesting story because one of the phrases that he uses in the introductory of this book that he uses kind of almost as a basis for the book, it, it really spoke to my soul and changed the way that I think and the way that I live in some way. And, and, and he says this, he says, we often do things in the face of death. Like Chris and Carrie Shook, another great pastor and author out of Woodlands, Texas, they wrote this book that became wildly popular um, about eight to ten years ago, and it was called 30 Days to Live. They made a Bible study out of it, a challenge out of it. It was a beautiful book, and, and it was great. But if you only had 30 days to live, what would you do? And those are the things you should be doing right now. Who would you love? Who would you call? What types of things? And though that's the life you were meant to live. And Urban McManus kind of, uh, he, he approaches that, a concept. And then he says, but when you realize that you are dying, there's so much to do, there's so much to accomplish that that you want to do these things and you want to live your best life. You want to glorify God, as Paul says here, in your body. And you want to be a reflection of God in the face of death, especially in the face of life. In other words, now it's not about doing it in the face of death, but in the face of life. In the face of knowing that I don't want to just do this because I'm dying. I want to do this because this is life in me and through me. I want to do it in the face of life. That life is to be lived and this is how we live it to the fullest. Like Jesus said in John 10, 10, I came that not just that you have life, but that you have it more abundantly. Life to the fullest. How that we live to glorify him, give it all out, live 120%, leave it all on the table with nothing left to give. Not just in the face of death, but even in the face of life. And here, when Paul's writing, he says, I want to glorify God in my body. I want Jesus to be honored in my body, whether that is that I get out of here and I live and continue to preach, or whether even in my death that he's glorified. And I wonder if you and I can say the same thing. Maybe we're not facing life or death, but maybe we're facing something that hurts and something that's painful. Can we say, I just want Christ to be honored in my pain or in my healing? That I want Christ to be honored in my suffering or in my rejoicing? In my condemnation or my confirmation? In my demotion or my promotion? That whether I win or whether I lose, I just want Christ to be honored in all of it. And that is how you fully live, even in the midst of bad circumstances. Because now at this point, it doesn't matter whether you win or whether you lose, whether you're promoted or whether you're demoted, whether you have it all or whether you lose everything, whether you live or whether you die, when you live that way, then you win no matter what. Even in your losing, you win because you have glorified Christ. And that is when you get the best blessing of all is when you live your life to bless others as a reflection of Jesus Christ. Because in your blessing of others, you in turn get blessed. In your reflection of him, your joy is made full. So as you approach life today, as you approach life this week, as you approach life this month, this year, as you, uh, as you reflect on life last year, last decade, 
whether you win or whether you lose, know that your aim and your goal will always fulfill your life when it is that Christ is honored in you. Whether you win or whether you lose, keep your fix, keep your focus on Jesus. Thank you so much, Aaron, for that awesome message. Hopefully you were able to gain some insight from it and apply it to your lives. We just want to take a moment right now to talk about something very exciting coming in 2021. We want to partner with the local church to transform the world. And we want to create Bible study curriculum that's already in the works that is for every person in the church. The church studies it together. The pastor preaches sermons that are aligned with that Bible study curriculum. Groups meet and discuss that Bible study curriculum together. And there are also video sessions that go along with it. We want to equip the local church to grow in the same direction spiritually together while also growing the church numerically together as we encourage participants on how to share their faith. And we believe it's gonna make a huge difference in the world because it makes a difference in the local church as we come alongside and partner with your pastor. So how can you help? Prayer, partnership, and publicity. publicity. So please be in prayer for Fresh Faith. It is, it is the most important work that you can do. And also, if you could partnership with us, if you could partner with us financially, if you can partner with us by giving the materials out that you have um, received thus far, and publicity. If you could share this on your social media, share it with your local pastor. Let them know what Fresh Faith is coming out with, curriculum for their churches to grow them, their congregants spiritually, and their church numerically. It is going to be something that is vital for them as a pastor, something that is important that they're going to really love. And you, as a member or somebody who attends the local church, can gain so much from so you can check that out at freshfaith.org. Keep keep um, checking it out and, and knowing when it's going to be released so that you can talk with your local pastor and get the word out and the message out and they can get these materials. Absolutely. Thank you so much. We want to pray with and for you today. We believe that prayer has the power to change absolutely everything. The Bible says that we can cast all of our care upon God because he cares for us. If you have a specific need you want us to pray for, please text us at 252-499-0128. Again, that's 252-499-0128. Let's pray together.